0: welcome back to the Faith Seeking Understanding podcast. I'm Roland, this is Matt, and we're busy going through Proverbs. Uh, a few episodes ago, we finished, or uh, well, two episodes ago, we finished looking at the introduction to Proverbs, which is Proverbs 1 to 9. And starting from the previous episode, we've been looking at how to read the body of Proverbs, um, which in, uh, at first glance kind of just seems like a collection of disconnected sayings organized roughly by the person who gave them. Um, and so... Last episode, we spoke a bit about uh, how we kind of need to prepare ourselves in terms of thinking about morality and ethics Mm. in order to sort of not read proverbs and then discard them as kind of almost touching on the gray area that is more or less just a function of like our tastes and preferences, right? It's like, no, there's morality is not just a black and white issue. It pervades every part of life, including the gray areas, and we need a more nuanced and more complicated framework for ethics. A more ancient framework for ethics, I suppose you could say, yeah, um in order to properly appreciate and see the significance of of um, individual proverbs we didn't, however, actually get to like i mean we looked at a handful of proverbs, yeah, but we didn't talk about like, okay, well, how do we approach the sections of the book as a whole, like when you're reading yeah. through them you, you you shouldn't ideally, you wouldn't just read one proverb. And yeah, then, well, and then leave.
1: There's, there are a variety of approaches. I think is is one of the things that we that we wanted to just mention. And mm. what we spent quite a bit of time doing in the previous episode was taking a proverb and just exploring. Okay, well, what are some of the ways that we could think about this? How does this inform our moral framework and our moral sensibilities if we just inhabit the world of this proverb? And I think that's a valid approach. Yeah, I think we can take a proverb on its own and just explore. Um, these proverbs gained traction for a reason there's a reason that this proverb in particular made it into the book and maybe something else that was just somebody's quip one day just yeah got forgotten and left to fade into obscurity um i think there's a quote that says something along the lines of a proverb is uh, the wisdom the wisdom of many combined with the wit of one okay something along those lines right um and i think that that quite well summarizes like what what it is that we've got here. We've got this um this rich wisdom of here's a feature of life, the universe and everything that um that we can actually see has value and, yeah. and, and might help us to think about things. But the fact of the matter is we while while we can do that with each proverb, we've also got um proverbs kind of clustered together into we'll organize together into this book and we want to think in this episode about what do we do with them when we've got a bunch of proverbs together what do we do with um the collection of proverbs rather than just this individual proverb
0: yeah i think when you read through proverbs you get two senses right sometimes you're if you're reading through like a section you'll be like okay these five or so proverbs um tend to be related to each other they seem to be roughly talking about the same thing like wealth or friendship or whatever yeah. Um, so that that and then so that kind of makes me as a person who's very big into like structure, right? I want to organize things like that. But then, yeah. the book kind of seems to like circle through all sorts of different topics and then come back to them. So then it's yeah. like there'll be proverbs about friendship here, and then there'll be proverbs about friendship in two chapters, and then there'll be there'll be a proverb about friendship connected with other things. And so as someone who wants to put everything, you know, naturally wants to put everything into into like a linear structure, it's yeah. sometimes difficult for me to know like. What am I supposed to be doing am I is the way that I'm supposed to be reading this like am I supposed to be collecting all of the ones that talk about a particular topic and read those mm. or is there a, is there an importance to the fact that he moves from I don't know Wales to talking about righteousness to talking about friendship like is that a yeah, I, yeah. I,
1: no absolutely and, and people have been wrestling with us for years and you've got on the one hand on the one end of the spectrum you've got those who are saying, proverbs is very carefully organized you've got um these collections or clusters that are intentionally put together and are mutually interpretive and we need to pay attention to those sorts of things so you've got people like Time, who um that was his phd thesis okay it's it's now published as a book like grapes of gold set in silver where he's arguing he's arguing that the proverbs make bunches of grapes essentially okay um that maybe kind of come together on a vine i haven't actually read the book because it's bloody expensive (laughs) 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 i don't have access to it but um uh but that seems to be his his overriding thesis um on the other hand you've got people like Trampa longman who want to say no actually i don't agree with haim it's just a collection and um you need to take each one on its own and maybe we find that uh, each proverb on its own yeah each proverb on its own and okay. maybe we find that um some of them the some of them talk about similar things but that's not the point the point is that each proverb stand on stand, stand on stands on its own and should be interpreted on its own and you can see that in the way that he actually then structures his commentary he's okay. got chapters one to nine but then when he gets into the two line sayings that make up the body of the book it's just translation explanation translation oh he doesn't like break it into groups or anything like that no wow and then you got a whole lot of mediating positions in between people who yep. are like yeah E-R, He seems to be onto something actually longman makes a good point and sort of it, i think the truth is probably somewhere in between that we've got parts of proverbs that were clustered together and intentionally organized other parts that um that maybe are a little bit more disparate um
0: or yeah any kind of degree along the spectrum. I think as someone who's really big into ancient ethics, this is kind of interesting Mm. uh, because it seems like we're grappling with the same sorts of questions that uh, Aristotle and Confucius were grappling with a bit when trying to talk about ethics, Mm. right? Like if you do maths, for instance, it's very much like, okay, it's general principles and that's fine. So you you work on your system of general principles and, and that's where you are. But ethics, you know, if you talk about general principles, they aren't necessarily going to be like uh, vague and ambiguous because the the details of life or the particularities of life are always going to be more than what you can capture in like a general proposition about how you should act. Yeah. And so you have two options then when you want to develop like a, a vision for how you should live, right? The one is, you accept this fact and you just stay at the abstract and you say, cool, like, I leave it up to you to figure out how to work this out in particular details. Yeah. And Aristotle explicitly does that in his ethics. Yeah. Like, I mean, he says up front, we yeah, c- we can't actually
1: um, go into detail on every situation. This is not an exact science. Yeah, we need a level of flexibility.
0: So an, an example we mentioned last episode was like courage. He says courage is a good thing. And you say, OK, cool. What's what does courage look like? Well, it's the mean between foolhardiness and um cowardice mm. you're like helpful okay cool i mean i that gives me like a vague area to aim for and he's like can i can you give me more aristotle no i can't because depending on how strong you are depending on how like dangerous the situation is it's going to look different and you're like yeah. okay <laughs> you know so he gives you he outlines some things you should consider but at the end of the day it's like very situationally dependent and you kind of you're kind of just given a framework and now you have to go think about it right yeah, yeah. um confucius on the other hand he has like a different approach where he's like, cool, I'm going to, instead of trying to build that system, that abstract system of things, we're going to look at individual scenarios. Mm. And we're going to say, well, what's the good thing to do in this scenario? What's the good thing to do in that scenario? And he's he's looking at particular things and issuing like this like sort of theoretical overarching proclamations about uh, how you should do things. But he's like doing it in such a way that uh, he invites you into thinking about the things. So each person is sort of developing internally a, a model or framework for things, yeah. but it's not and it but it's through the particular instances and then you can judge things based on the similarity to, to yeah. those instances. Yeah. Um and so yeah, I mean if you do the one, if you do Aristotle's thing, then there's unity seems to be a very mm. obvious thing. It's like this is all unified and packaged and organized. And yeah. If you do the Confucius way, it can look very disparate and disconnected. Yeah. But only if you don't recognize that underneath these things are just like windows into like a theory that's difficult to articulate, mm. and so now we have to go figure that out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Probably seems to lean more towards Confucius, the Confucius way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, as you walk through the book, it's just think about that, do that, maybe do, maybe don't do that. This is going to end in disaster, so take that <laughs> into consideration. Um, and in that way, seems to do a lot like confucius does and build up a system a bit more organically
0: okay yeah it reminds me similar of like the law as well if you look at like viticus or something um you get like a run of laws and they're vaguely related to like treating other people well you know Mm. it's like uh, respect the elderly yeah don't sell your daughter off as a temple prostitute don't go to mediums that's a bad idea Mm. you know but they're those are very different parts of life Mm. um Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, those are just like, he's like drawing a, I think John Walden talks about how he's like drawing a fence around the right behavior. Right. And then it's like, okay, somewhere in here is the, is the way to live, uh, figure it out kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Go. Yeah. 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 That would suggest to me then reading groups of proverbs at least would be beneficial because you're, you're not letting, you're not pretending like any individual proverb is like the window into the thing mm. you're letting them all kind of balance off each other
1: well let's start with that end of the spectrum then um with the the sort of clusters of proverbs the the, the relatedness of proverbs the fact that these proverbs are put together because they um belong together okay something along the lines of what knut haim has to say um i mean, we can take a look at chapter 10 chapter 10 i think actually gives us a pretty good example of this great so if we start from verse 8 the wise in heart accepts commands but a chattering fool comes to ruin Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Uh, whoever winks maliciously causes grief, and a chattering fool comes to ruin. It's the same line there. Mm. Um, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked uh, conceals violence. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of the one who has no sense. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth
0: of the fool invites ruin. That's very Um, similar as well to the same...
1: Yeah, no, it is. Um, A little bit further down, it actually comes back to that sort of idea. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Um, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, uh, but the prudent holds their tongue. Uh, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. (laughs) a lot to do with speech Mm. a lot to do with how we use our words i mean it's it's using metaphors there: mouth lips tongue um more explicitly words a chattering fool um all in that world of how we use our words um so i think when when we kind of notice that thread that's running through a whole lot of those proverbs that are there very close together. Not all back to back. There seem to be some gaps there. Mm. Um, Verse nine, for instance, doesn't seem to have a lot to say about speech um, or anything It doesn't explicitly mention in any way. But the fact that we've got so many so close together,
0: actually, that sort of seems to tell us that there's there's circling a, a part of life and trying to draw attention to something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah um and we can we can start to kind of draw out some some principles there um so thinking in thinking about how how we use our words you know don't just speak because you've got things to say you know, mm-hmm. be a bit more um careful and thoughtful about how you say it. so verse 19 sons don't end it by multiplying words but the prudent hold their tongues um how we use our words matters the tongue of the righteous is choice silver um but the heart of the wicked is of little value.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of James when he says, like, be slow to speak and quick to listen or something like that, or slow to anger. Yeah. Okay, now I'm misquoting James in order to make sense of Proverbs, which isn't (laughs) maybe the best way to put it. But it also makes me think of what Jesus has to say about the
1: words that come out of your mouth reveal what's going on in your heart. Yes, yeah. Um, There seems to be that sort of idea running through Proverbs as well. In fact, I wonder if a whole lot of what Jesus says in the New Testament in Sermon on the Mount and some of the other things that he has to say are... A lot more influenced by proverbs than we often like. We're very quick to go to the law and how mm. does Je, how is Jesus in, interpreting the law mm. and um, what does this mean for um, uh, works and faith and and all those sorts of questions? Um,
0: there's a lot that Jesus has to say that I think is drawn from proverbs mm. and wisdom and and that relates to what you said I think in the first episode, which was like Jesus is called the wisdom of God or why, one wiser than
1: Solomon. Yeah, yeah, Jesus yeah. called one wiser than Solomon, one greater than Solomon, something like
0: that. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, when you read through them like you just did now, it's like, okay, I see that these are talking about related things, but they're also, like, they're not saying the same thing all the time, right? No. So, like, the one will talk about how the fool comes to ruin, but the other one talks about how the fool will be found out, which can be different thing. Like, you can be brought to ruin and not be found out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, your own wo- your own words could destroy you. Um, whereas, like, maybe being found out is, like, you sowed a web of lies or whatever, and then eventually you were, like, embarrassed because... Um, you were found out. You were found out for so that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then other times it's like, well, he'll come to ruin, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be punished. But then sometimes they specifically speak of punished, but the rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. Yeah. Um, or even, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So that's like, not necessarily going to be, you're not necessarily going to be punished or found out, but you are making the world a worse place mm. because you're hiding something that needs to be brought out and yeah. and found. Yeah. Um and so that's interesting that like these are, I mean they're all kinda related, but it's difficult to like pin down exactly how they're related. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: But the fact that they're they're clustered together with this common theme, I think helps us to to join them up together and mm-hmm. see how um how they might actually bounce off each other. I mean the example that you just used now of well, yeah, okay, when if you could read proverb on its own to say that that um uh the wicked will be which one did you look at? Um, I
0: looked at a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: the, um, found out.
0: Yeah, that's verse nine. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. That's what mine says.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, they, they, there could be a sense in which that—that's how things play out. It could also just be that they end up in judgment. But actually, um, putting those together invites us to think about different ways that they could play out. That looking at the one on its own wouldn't necessarily have done yeah um so we we could think about i mean we could think about uh, verse nine on its own whoever walks in integrity walks securely but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out okay cool so we could think about a whole lot of ways that that we could explore that proverb and think about a whole lot of ways that that would play itself out and that could be in um the way that we treat others that we, that could be in how we use our our money our resources we that could be um, how we, you know, all sorts of different areas of life. But the fact that in verse 8 and verse 10 and verse 11 and verse 13 all puts that in the context of how we use our words invites us to think about um, walking in integrity or walking in crooked paths in a particular light. Oh, that's so it. We might not necessarily have
0: done otherwise. Oh, okay, that's quite interesting to say that, like, each of, each of the proverbs, if taken by itself, connects to presumably because of how, it, or can, um, connect to like different aspects of life. And then based on how it's placed among its neighbors, um, it invites you to look at it at a particular aspect of life, yeah. um, maybe more than another. But then that same kind of problem or the same sentiment could show up later um, in a different cluster yeah, and have therefore like a different, not meaning, but like a different focus. Yeah, yeah, it could be drawn out differently. It can have different implications. Okay. Um, yeah so
1: the, the context actually does shape um at least in some sense it does shape the meaning um or how how it'll be received
0: that's quite i mean that's useful to me as someone who is always like why is this coming up again like i always like yeah um and it's like oh because it has multiple possible reference and so if you put it here it's going to look one way and if you put it there it's going to look another way i kind of think of uh like if you look at this <laughs> maybe a silly example But if you look at like coloured tiles, like of different colours, right, and you put them like near one colour versus or near one cluster of colours versus another cluster of colours, you know the same tile could look quite blue here, but quite green here, and quite what something else here based on based on that context. Um, It's sort of the same
1: idea. Yeah. No, I think so. I think so. And because we're talking about um, ethics, something that like Aristotle says is not an exact science. Mm Actually, there's a level of validity that comes with that that might not come with, you know, black and white truth proposition. Mm -hmm. Um, That actually, there there are resonances over here that we could think about crooked paths and walking integrity in one way. That is absolutely valid and actually we need to think about. There are ways that we can think specifically about how we use our words. That is absolutely valid and that we need to think about. Mm. Um, There's a a level of malleability about it that Uh, I think is...
0: I like your usage of the word resonance. Mm. It, it's kind of like, I mean, the two examples that come to mind are the one that connects with resonance quite well is is music, right? Mm-hmm. Like the same melody or harmony or like, okay, now I'm using all the words I don't know how to use uh, to a music person. So maybe this is not going to, but like, you know, it could, it could take on a very different meaning if you play it in a slightly different key or if yeah. you put it with a different, um, well, this
1: symphony. is actually something that really interests me. And, um, when I was studying music, this is something that I wanted to explore quite a bit with with some of the things that I, that I was working on. So I was a composition major um, and in a bunch of the things that I was writing, like I'd have a melody that was running through and with um, a particular... Um, against a particular backdrop with particular harmonies, um, uh, particular chords underneath it, um, played by particular instruments, it has one... Um, sort of character one sort of flavor you could then just change a few notes and suddenly it's cast in a completely different light mm. suddenly it sounds a whole lot darker a whole lot more mysterious a whole lot you know whatever it might be um and i really enjoyed experimenting with those things the same melody was running all the way through but you change the chords underneath and it takes on a whole different character is there a name for that
0: phenomenon i'm like, I, uh, yeah. there might be and if there is i couldn't tell you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then the other kind of example that comes to mind, but I like the music one a bit more, mm. is uh, a mosaic. Um, just because of how like, you have these different tiles that kind of exist on their own, but then when brought together, they show a picture of a particular, yeah. you know, in a particular way, and then you could reorganize those tiles in a slightly different way and get a completely different picture. W-
1: there was a... It's not quite the same, but um, a friend of mine had um, a picture of... Like this big picture of... Um, Bart Simpson okay maybe it was Homer Simpson (laughs) doesn't really matter um one of the Simpsons but when you zoom in like it's made up of a whole lot of tiny little pictures from the Simpsons oh a whole lot of different scenes that are just coordinated in the right way with the right colors that when you zoom out you see Homer Simpson that's cool um and uh I think it's in a a slightly different way it gets at some of the things that, that we're talking about here that um, not as much the malleability, but you can look. You can look up close and see. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That. That's a picture of that scene over there. It's like self-contained if you look at it by itself. Yeah, like an individual proverb. Yeah. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes a crooked will we find out. We can look at that on its own and explore that world. But you can zoom out and see how it fits into this broader network mm-hmm. and see this bigger picture. Um, that 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 one actually helps us to, or contributes to that bigger picture.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Well, if we find a name for this, I'll be sure to put it in the title of yes. the video. <laughs> yeah. If we don't, then uh, well, ignore this comment. Ignore this uh, <laughs> comment. Yeah.
1: Let's take another. Take a look at another example. So if okay. we flip over to um, yeah. I mean, would be a bit pointless if like this was the only part in Proverbs where, where it works happens, like this. Really yeah. We <laughs> yeah. have okay, I mean, this whole conversation about how Proverbs kind of connect up together, and then it's only in chapter ten. Um, it's not. If you look at chapter sixteen. Um, looking at the first bunch of verses there to humans belong the plans of the heart but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue all a person's ways seem pure to them but motives are weighed by the Lord commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans the Lord works out everything to its proper end even the wicked for the day of disaster the Lord detests all the proud of heart be sure of this they will not go unpunished Hmm. through love and faithfulness sin is atoned for or sin is covered over uh through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Um, better is a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their, their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. I mentioned this probably in a previous episode. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorites. Um, the lips of a king speak as an oracle and his mouth does not betray justice. On a scale, it seems to move into something else, um yeah, we'll talk about things. kings a lot in the next few verses. Yeah, um, so I mean, running through this whole section, there is effectively this discussion on divine providence and human action. Mm-hmm. That you've got all these things that that people can do, but actually, it's uh, the Lord who's in control. Um, the person's heart plans their way, but it's the Lord who establishes their steps. And I think we see a similar thing going on that we that we saw in chapter ten, where um, you've got. Um, Where was it? Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. But through fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. That seems to stand out as, like, it seems to be talking about something different. But I wonder if, by putting it in the context of these other proverbs that have to do with um, the fact that God is ultimately in control, actually throws a particular slant on this proverb that we might not have seen otherwise.
0: Yeah, as you you said it, I was like, because the first meaning that I interpret that from is, Evil is avoided in the sense that if I follow the Lord, then I will not do evil, right? But then when you read it in the context of what we've just been talking about in the rest of these things, it takes on another layer, which is like, if I follow the Lord, then I will not experience evil as like um, punishment. Mm. Because later he says like, the wicked will see trouble or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. The verse four. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, Oh, okay. It's got both of these meanings, uh, attached to it, which it wouldn't have had that second meaning. or that second meaning wouldn't have, uh, occurred to me mm. had it not been grouped in this sort of yeah. collection. Sort yeah. Network. I like your word network earlier. Um, I mean, it's a, it's that same word then. And the Hebrew word, ra.
1: um, is a little bit more maniable than our English word evil. Okay. The evil comes with moral connotations. Generally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could maybe talk about the difference between moral evil and natural evil as philosophers often do, but, but evil generally in the way that we usually use the word comes with moral connotations. Whereas the word ra in the Hebrew can mean evil. It could also just mean bad or disastrous. Disastrous. Oh. Disaster. Or, you know, something, something along those lines. Mm. Um, So, actually, there does seem to be a bit more malleability there or a a bit more ambiguity there um, in verse 6. The other thing is that we can have confidence that um, even when the situation looks like um, we should just deck the guy, we should rather (laughs) um, respond with love and faithfulness and the fear of the Lord, because actually God is in control and we can trust him with, with the situation um maybe providing a motivation for for a particular course of action um it's, it's all things that we can explore but that particular slant that's that's thrown on it through the rest of these proverbs i
0: think yeah this is quite a powerful way of reading about it it's like kind of leaning into the idea that these proverbs as like these isolated short sayings are kind of these like vague puzzle pieces Mm. That have like a certain range of meaning, but can have a deeper or like different range of meaning depending on where they're placed. Yeah. And then it's like leaning into that and saying, okay, well, how have they been placed? And and then using that as like another layer of reflection on top of the individual proverb that you might have thought of. Mm. Is there <laughs> Are the sections themselves also, can they be thought of like that? So we just said he goes from talking about God's providence to talking about kings and before that he was talking about i don't know what he was talking about uh learning from god i guess because i see a lot about um the heart of the righteous part is how to answer god here's the well life life-giving reproof i see being mentioned um there seems to be quite a bit of mention of wisdom yeah so i wonder if like if you can just take it up another layer like you just like keep going up um with the layers
1: i yeah i, I guess i was sort of wondering that too um and I think I think it's something worth exploring. I don't know that we'll have time to do it now. But but what I was sort of glancing ahead for, it, it starts to talk about, in verse 12, it starts to talk about kings. Kings detest wrongdoing, for a throne is established through righteousness. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. A king's wrath is a messenger of death. A king's face brightens it means life. Um, there is another proverb that it doesn't actually look like it's here, where it talks about the heart of a king is a stream in the Lord's hand, or something, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Aquinas... Quite a lot yeah he seems to like that one um i almost would have expected to find it here yes given the fact that we've seen to move from god's providence into thoughts about the king yeah totally Um, i also would have expected to see it there but i don't i think it's further along um now we're gonna now we're gonna get nerd sniped looking for it (laughs) i think there's still something to be said for um you know, even if that particular proverb comes up later, I mean, that would have been a really nice segue.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, so, whoever edited proverbs, you dropped the ball there. Yeah, come <laughs> on, guy. Um, but um, I mean, I think it, it still does invite
0: reflection. Mm-hmm. That. Think I mean. Think so, you mean know how the sections are go from one to the next?
1: Is yeah, and and thinking like taking a look at um, uh, where was it. The king's wrath as a messenger of death, but the wise will appease it. Or um, there was another one that I was that I was looking at. Kings take pleasure in honest lips; they value the one who speaks uh, what is right. Um, there seems to be at least the possibility that that the king could enforce justice, mm-hmm. or the king could be responsible for that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that yeah. and yeah. intersects with
1: um, what we saw earlier of the Lord works out everything to His proper end, even the wicked for the day of disaster. And you can kind of it doesn't take much to imagine situations where those two ideas might coalesce. Mm -hmm. The way that you deal with a king and um, the way that God might be directing the situation to bring about um, the destruction of the wicked or whatever, you can see how these actually might come together. Or in the case of um, a bad king, might offer confidence despite the fact that you've got a king that actually isn't towing the line here.
0: Yeah, I was going to say like a lot of the time kings are understood as like, agents of god put in place to you know be yeah. agents uh, like sources of justice but then again they can be corrupt but then you got the book of
1: kings which is talking about all there are a, all lot. a lot of kings that actually do exactly the opposite of what god
0: yeah um expects yeah so there's yeah that's really interesting there's like they have shared meaning but then also they play against each other and come to a more nuanced under appreciation of different aspects
1: yeah Okay. So it's I mean, I think effectively what we've what we've done in this episode is not to be like this is how you understand these proverbs, but inviting people into a way of reading the book of Proverbs and um, basically to say, try this at home and see what happens.
0: Yeah. I, I like the I like this because I, I always find the um the principalizing approach where you kind of like read a proverb in isolation trying to discern the principle underneath it and then move to the next one. And then try to discern the principle underneath it. Yeah. It, I find that a lot of the time it's like there's too much flexibility in the proverb and I could just draw, like one person could draw one principle and I could draw a completely different principle. Mm. And it's like, well, is that really what I'm supposed to be doing? Whereas like this idea of like, oh, we well, letting, letting a, a group of proverbs together, like draw like a vague, but still well-defined semi-directed um, circle around an area. And then yeah. have me meditate on that. Mm. And then also help that help me meditate then on the individual proverbs within that context. Yeah. Is quite a helpful guy that is less, I don't know, freeform or like able to go in any direction.
1: Yeah, I mean it makes me think of another book, um, where so there's a a guy who's talking about how you've got these proverbs through the book that are ambiguous. You could take it this way, or you could take it this way, or you could take it this other way. And what he's wanting to say is, well, that creates quite a hermeneutical challenge for quite an interpretive difficulty for for um, the book of Proverbs. Mm. Um, so what he wants to do is then to say, okay, well, Proverbs 1 to 9 lays out the framework for us. If we look at Proverbs 1 to 9, then we can see um, not quite an instruction manual, but, but um, a framework for how um, Proverbs tends to shape its perspectives on things. And... We can bring that to bear on these individual proverbs. Um, Some of the time, I think it works. Mm -hmm. Some of the time, actually, just look at the proverbs around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you look at the one just before, the one just after, maybe kind of two before, two after, that, even just doing that on its own, um, can help us to see, well, yeah, sure, just reading this in isolation, I could let my imagination run wild and go over over there. But I could also just look at it in its context and see how this might ran it in so on one level i think um what we were saying earlier still stands Mm. that there is a level of malleability about these proverbs that you can see in this context you can see it in that context and they're a bunch of twice told proverbs that appear you know more than once in the book that that seem to be doing just that but on the other hand we do need to recognize that we're coming to the book of proverbs after several thousand years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um at least two thousand or two and a half thousand Probably more for 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 most of them, that there are some cultural differences that we need to be able to account for, mm-hmm. and having the book help to interpret itself is is a way that we could do that. Yeah,
0: kind of correct our modern biases. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, are we going to end it there? I think we can end it then. All right. Well, thanks for joining us uh, for this episode. Uh, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, click the notification bell, and give us a rating on your favorite podcast platform hey you got it yeah um we will see you in the next one